0: Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Safe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by a woman who's normally in a hat and is this time, well, sometimes in a hat, often in a uh, hat, yeah. uh, Carrie Smith. Let's
1: say 50% of the time. Hello, Carter. Good 50% afternoon. 50% of the
0: time, she's in a hat all the time.
1: All the time. <laughs> uh, I'm so happy I get to see your face today. We almost didn't get to do this show because you had no power and internet, again, because you live in the great state of california is Actually, that
0: why they, well i don't know they think that uh the PG, I was talking to the pg and e guy he thinks that a turkey fell onto the wires or something weird um
2: what?
0: <laughs> yeah okay we have a lot of turkeys there's okay. like turkeys that roost in a tree that on our property and like and i i woke up this morning it was like six thirty this morning and I was in bed. I hadn't gotten out, out gotten out of bed yet, and I heard like this weird buzzing and a bright flash from outside, and then all the power went out. Uh, so <laughs> he thinks it was a turkey, but we couldn't find like a Thanksgiving dinner on the lawn or anything. So I don't know what the problem. But he it took the power out for the whole area. Like I walked a you know mile in each direction, and everyone had no power. So it might have been it might have been kind of our fault. It might, the fault might have been on our property at least. I don't know, but I think it, it uh, may well, have involved the turkey. Maybe-
1: the turkeys are executing themselves ahead of California's <laughs> ahead, of yeah. uh, ahead, ahead of California's wah, wah Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, uh, you know it is tough when I'm like when I'm practicing firearm stuff. It's really tempting when I'm I've got a weapon out and I'm just doing some practicing and there's twelve turkeys five feet away from me, totally just standing outside in the backyard. It's like ah, <laughs> oh, it's really really I know it's illegal, but really really tempted to get myself a turkey sometimes but they probably don't taste it's
1: illegal hey somebody said my microphone's real high i just changed it let me know if this is better
0: oh really it didn't sound high to me okay Um, well i moved mine away from myself a little bit because mine's usually too high so i'm trying to even i'm trying to depress myself a little bit or the levels um we should do some housekeeping If you haven't noticed, if you're here, you already know this. But if you're watching later, you might not know. We are live streaming from the Unsafe Space Clips channel still because we are still in YouTube jail. And uh, I'm actually I meant to make a little like a short video explaining why. So because people are asking, I just point them to it. Maybe I'll do that today. But um, it's not anything we did. It's just, you know, YouTube being YouTube and not liking us. Um, We do have now, though, over a thousand people. On the channel, which means soon we have to get a thousand subscribers and I think some number of hours viewed. I think we're about a quarter of the way to the number of hours Uh, viewed. So we can't do super chats yet, but we like, we prefer the star chats anyway. Uh, So if you wanted to super chat us and talk to us, go to Subscribe Star, uh, do a one time tip, and that allows you to enter in a message and we will get to the message. Um, And also don't forget to share, subscribe, all that stuff. Star chats, yes.
1: Call Beverly it. calls them Star Chats and, and the bonus, although uh it's harder because you have to go to Subscribestar and do it during the show, but the bonus is that none of the money from uh from Subscribestar goes to YouTube. So Right. <laughs> they take
0: a cut, but their cut is much smaller than YouTube's cut. So
1: everyone says your mic is lower than mine.
0: Yeah, I moved it closer to myself and turned it up okay. a little bit. So Okay. We'll see. Uh <clears throat> Yeah, what else? Oh, we have Book Club coming up. I think it's this weekend. Yeah.
1: Book Club is this Sunday. We're doing The Management of Savagery. This is by Max Blumenthal. Uh, if you guys haven't participated in Book Club before, it's live. We do, you can be in the chat on camera with us. If you want to be a part of it, just message us at uh, email us at speak at and let us know you want to be a part of the video discussion. You can also just be in the live chat like you are today. This is going to be a good one. It's a lot of information you can't though. Say so that. you have, you have to
0: downplay it so then it exceeds expectations, Carrie.
1: Okay, it's gonna be an awful show. but Excellent. the book. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is good. Oh the book is good yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the book is very good. <laughs> um, so I hope you join us. And thank- I-, I just want to say welcome if there's any new viewers from uh, Nerd Rotic, Geeks and Gamers, Friday Night tights, they let me guest on their show on Friday, and it was so much fun talking to a bunch of uh, geeks and gamers. They, uh, you know, I was interested in finding out when they each, you know, I like the origin stories. like mm-hmm. i I kind of use social justice ideology. My old belief system is as, as like a zombie movie in a way. I love zombie movies. I love zombie books. And my favorite part is always the beginning when people are grasping with, being in a new reality of, of, of realizing there's a virus or a plague or something, that part's always the most interesting to me. And similarly, I just, I always kind of interested in how people first came into, into contact with social justice, like with the belief system. And I assumed that for a lot of them, there were, it was a panel of like six people. I assumed it would be through pop culture. And for about half of them, it was, it was, you know, when it touched something they really liked, like Star Wars or, Or something, but a couple of others, they, yeah, Yeah. a couple of others were in, in, introduced to it in college, like I was. Um, so it was, that was interesting, but yeah, I really liked those guys. So welcome any new men in tights.
0: (laughs) Is that what it's called? Men in tights. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Carrie, Carrie. wait, why do I hear an echo? Does everyone else hear I'm echoing. I don't know why. Maybe it's just my own equipment. I'm echoing in my own ear. Oh, well. Um, Yeah, I guess there's a lot to talk about. A lot that's happened. I know you have some stuff you want to talk about. I think you want to talk about Richard Stengel at some point. I do. We can can talk about him right now if you want.
1: Well, before... Can we start with this other thing? I just sent you a link on Signal. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a video. It's a clip from CNN. And if possible, I want to start with this because if you guys watch us regularly, you'll know a week or two ago, we were talking about how there, there finally seems to be a a mass movement from big social, from, from Facebook and Twitter. People are moving to MeWe, which is more of a Facebook alternative and Parler, which is more of a Twitter alternative. And for the first time, it seems like one of these new startups might have a chance. I mean, we'll see. But one of the things we, Carter and I said a week or two ago was that just watch, like the first thing we're going to see happen is the legacy media is going to start attacking these platforms, probably Parler first, and trying to smear them the way they've done with Gab and other competitive uh, platforms. And, you know, calling them alt-right, white nationalists and pulling out the whole gamut, you know, doing the whole, the whole uh, rigmarole. And so as soon as we did that show where we talked about that, I started to see it happening. So I just wanted to play this. Yeah, we can play if this clip. Um, I,
0: I noticed that you sent me the clip of the dubbed version, which I really appreciate. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. Uh,
0: <laughs> so the version you're going to hear, you know, everyone's favorite CNN anchor. Actually, I think he's my fav- second favorite because my favorite is Andrew Cuomo, but or, or Chris Cuomo, whatever. <laughs> uh, the um, this is Brian Stelter, the George Costanza. Uh, but is it who does the voiceover? Is it Mark Dice? Who does the voiceover? Mark Dice. Is it okay I didn't
1: read, I sent you the Mark Dice version. Yeah. Mark Dice my favorite thing that Mark Dice does is when he imitates Brian Stetler because he, he just he just says all the same words. He doesn't change the words, he just dubs over it with a high pitched voice.
0: <laughs> yeah, so what you're about to hear is not actually Brian Stetler's voice, but they are his words. So uh let's let's see if we can play this and make it work here all right sorry i'm slow okay here we go okay you should see it now and let's see
2: there's this new social media app called parlor getting a lot of attention because conservatives are le- is saying they're leaving twitter and facebook <laughs> going off the parlor because they believe parlor's a safer space for them. What we're seeing is even more of a bunker mentality in right-wing media. <laughs> and ultimately that's not good for the country.
1: No, it's it's not good. It's a threat to democracy, um, that these people are in echo chambers and they're getting fed a diet of lies, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> she,
0: wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't people talking about people in CNN echo chambers, I guess, getting diets of lies.
1: No, that's what's really funny about this is They Like with a lot of things, down is up, up is down, and they're presenting and projecting the exact opposite of what's actually happening. People are leaving Facebook and Twitter because Facebook and Twitter are echo chambers where you are only allowed to have certain opinions, express certain ideas. People are getting censored and blocked. Um, They're going to these alternatives, hoping to find a place that's actually a free speech platform like Twitter claims to be. So no, people are looking for open dialogue and actual free speech. But the intent of a hit piece like this is to try and force it to be an echo chamber. They want to scare liberals from joining. They're telling liberals this is a message to their viewers, which are people on the left, basically trying to make them automatically when they hear "parlor" think, "All right, right wing, right wing, all right Nazis, right," so that they don't join. I mean.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking about the role of CNN because they actually don't have that many viewers. I mean, most of the views that they get, I think, are in airports or something. Like, they're, they're not, no one watches CNN. But what the people that do watch are, um, maybe I'll call them like second tier establishment people who watch CNN and then go parrot that all around the internet and everywhere else and to their friends. And like, yes. they're, it becomes CNN for i guess tragic reasons uh tragically cnn is considered a an authority an authoritative source in some way um and so once they say it then people will repeat it as if it's well i heard parlors that's been proven parlor is an echo chamber for the alt-right like okay that's because brian settler slash mark
1: said (laughs) it I'm, I'm actually, that was a pleasant surprise that I accidentally sent you the Mark it was Dice better. version.
0: It was better. It was better. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely better. And and I don't think Mark Dice would come after us for copyright for using it. Um, no. But CNN might. So we're probably safer using Mark Dice's uh, voiceover. Well, so I assume this this can maybe go, we can segue right into one of the, threats of the upcoming Biden administration, assuming that there is an upcoming Biden administration. Um, and, you know, you and I talk about this a lot, that the the use of language is, or that their control of language is, is paramount in, uh, in it, it's a very important tool in the toolbox of authoritarians. It's necessary. It's a necessary tool. We yeah. need to control language. You can't allow there to be free speech. Um, and we... I mean history is replete with examples of this every, every authoritarian regime has limits on free speech and obviously the United States is unique in the sense that we have much more freedom of speech than other most other countries yeah so let's talk about Richard Stengel Richard Stengel is um he is in charge of biden's let's see let me read it and get it correct he's the t- transition team leader for u.s owned media outlets the fact by the way
1: they put him in charge of the media outlets the,
0: the fact that there are u.s owned media outlets is already a problem but okay so he's in charge of the propaganda department let's just be clear that's if 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 we were going to talk if we're going to use clear language and not doublespeak or newspeak, we would say he's in charge of the U.S. propaganda department. So he's in charge of the U.S.-owned media outlets. Um, and these are things like Radio Free America and whatever, Like, right? so, so the U.S. like apparently does own outright some media outlets, and he's in charge of them. And he wrote an op-ed in last year that is kind of worth paying attention to. Now, just so you know, this guy, he's not someone from nowhere. He... He was Time Magazine's editor. He was the chief executive of—you'll love this one, Carrie. He was the chief executive mm-hmm. of the National Constitution Center for two years.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I saw he's, that. Amazing.
0: He served under President Obama uh, as the Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. Um, <clears throat> and here's his op-ed. Let's just pull up his op-ed. You guys, you guys can look at it and enjoy it in all of its glory. Again, this is from last year, but this is the guy that the reason it's relevant now is because he's being tapped for this position. So the title of the op-ed is Why America Needs a Hate Speech Law. Okay. I I feel like we could stop there, but we'll keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
1: all right. Well, that's
0: that's enough. That's enough. We know where he stands on this, and we're done. But so and he you're writes right.
1: this, uh, this guy opinion. this guy worked uh he he, he has uh, something to do with the constitution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> interestingly, he has a
0: he's a great phrase that he will will mention that he says about the constitution. But um he says, look, hey, when I was a journalist, I think he should have put journalist in quotes, probably, but okay. When I was a journalist, uh I loved Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr.'s assertion that the Constitution and the First Amendment are not just about protecting free thought for those who agree with us, but freedom for those for the thought that we hate. Okay, so you liked free speech. Got it. Because you were a journalist and you didn't want to get thrown in jail. All right. but <laughs> But as a government official traveling around the world championing virtues of free speech, I came to see how our First Amendment standard is an outlier. Now, interestingly enough, he writes this as if being an outlier on the global stage is a bad thing. Right. Now, to most of us, we would say, yes, we are an outlier. Yes. Yay. We're an outlier. That makes us special. That's what makes us different and better. That's one of the better things about us is that we are an outlier on the First Amendment standard. But to elitists, and by the way, I really feel like global, so I was thinking about this. I think I think a lot of elitists from American culture, um, they feel like they're left out of the global club because the other elitists are from these countries that have lots of power and control and work, like America's kind of the redheaded stepchild. So when they go and have their, their little get togethers at Davos and everywhere else, they kind of, they're embarrassed that they're from the uncouth, uncontrollable country where there's like there's more guns than people, and we have no hate speech laws, and like oh my god, yeah. how do you control? How do you control the riffraff over there in your right. side of the pond? And like he feels He's left right. out, right? Yeah, so, he feels left out. Yeah, so to him, the fact that the First Amendment is an outlier, that's a bad thing. We don't fit in. Hey guys, we don't fit in with the rest of the world. Okay,
1: it, it, you're, let's just pause there for one second, just to underline what you're saying. Most sure. of us. Look at the fact that we are, we are a country that has a first and second amendment. In our first amendment, we have the right to free speech. In our second amendment, we have the right to bear arms. We look at that as, as you said, as being an outlier is a good thing. We have greater protection for individual rights. But he's just writing from this position as if we all agree that somehow we should be embarrassed of these things, that this is bad. Right.
0: And this this I think this betrays a lot of the elitist globalist psychology and once you see their mentality you see it everywhere they want it's it's kind of pathetic they're like they're like rich junior high school kids who just want to fit in but Europe will have none of it because they're they're from the backward place where people have guns and free speech they need to get their shit together if they want their country to be in the club with everyone else uh, so so and then he cites Here's, here's some follow-up, Kerry. You'll love the follow-up. Even the most sophisticated Arab diplomats, yeah, that's exactly where I would go. I would ask, hey, <laughs> hey, Muslims, what do you think about it? Even the most sophisticated Arab diplomats that I dealt with did not understand why the First Amendment allows someone to burn a Koran. Yeah, of course <laughs> they didn't understand that. You moron. His response is, why, they asked me, would you ever want to protect that? It's a fair question, he says. No, it's not a fair question. And the fact that you think it's a fair question reveals way more about you than what we already know about fundamentalist Muslims. Thank you.
1: Can I Can I also ask here, I thought it was, why did he pick the Quran instead of the Bible? Why did he make that choice? He's not choosing to include a little paragraph here about how People wonder why we would allow uh, the Bible to be burned or the flag <laughs> to be burned, for example. He's picking the Quran for a reason.
0: Well, but he did speak to the most sophisticated Arab diplomats, which I guess means the Saudis. Oh, who the hell is he talking about? I don't know what the most sophisticated Arab diplomats means. But, uh, I mean, the fact that this gets published in the Washington Post as— and this guy, had, by the way, not only does it get published, this guy has clout. This guy is, this guy is is in the elite class. This guy is taken seriously. This is his thought process. His thought process amounts to: we're not in the cool kids club, and the Muslims don't like that we could burn the Quran. That's your argument. That's your argument. <laughs> so then he says, yes, the First Amendment protects. Thought that we hate, but it should not protect hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another. And here's here's my favorite part about the Constitution that he says, in an age when everyone has a megaphone, that seems like a design flaw. So uh. let's just let's let's just think about this. This guy, he was in charge of the National Constitution Center. He was on uh, Obama's staff. He's been tapped by Joe Biden to lead the American Propaganda Department, and he believes that the First Amendment has a design flaw because it it protects hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another. Now, this is also a betrayal of how they look at you, and you need to see how the elites look at you. They do not attribute agency to you you do not have agency you are farm animals when you're prodded one way you do x you are an you are a deterministic machine to them speech causes violence to them because if we use the right magic words you guys will act violently and there's nothing that you can do about it there's no free will in this right hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another now by the way Every, I, I just want to make this also very clear. Every single political comment can be viewed as hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another. As many people on this show that will follow this show know, I'm a voluntarist. I believe all government intervention is the initiation of the use of force, it is violence. Any political discussion, any political discussion about anything can, quote, cause violence by one group against the other. In other words, if you act on any political discussion, support anything, you could make an argument that it causes violence somehow. Obviously, nothing actually causes violence. People choose to be violent on their own. But this is, this is so broad. This is so broad. That you could could use... This can capture anything. Anything falls under this definition. Literally anything. If you say... If you're a Trump fan, other Trump fans that listen, if you like Trump and you say, I like Trump, well, we already know that they consider wearing a MAGA hat hateful and the incitement of violence and it's, its violence against minorities. We've already heard that rhetoric. So... Wearing a Trump hat would count as hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another. Literally everything falls into this category. Yeah. And then well, he goes and on. Well, they've been
1: pushing that, before, I, before you move on, they've been pushing that for a while. As we know, the, the, the social justice belief system has been pushing this idea that speech equals violence and that silence equals violence. So speech or the lack thereof equals violence. What's the end goal of that? Well, the end goal, one short-term goal, is they're trying to bully and 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 coerce people into speaking what they want you to speak, into speaking social justice ideology. But what's the long-term goal of that? The long-term goal of trying to conflate speech or the lack thereof with violence is is so that you can just you can do what he's trying to do here, so that you can justify trying to change the constitution to say, look, words words cause violence, words incite violence, we have to ban. Certain types of speech, yeah, we have to well, ban. And what does it mean? Yeah, what does it mean when they ban certain types of speech? It's exactly what you're pointing out. It's 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 like they do. Look look at what happens when they decide they're going to be the arbiters of what you can say and what you can't say. Look at Twitter. Look at Facebook. We know that there's a double standard. They will pick and choose what who is allowed to speak, what they're allowed to say, and it's not actually based on harm.
0: <laughs> no, it can't be based on harm. And here's the thing. If you want authority, if you want power, remember these people are power addicts. That's what they are. Um, if you want power, and you've got any sort of mass population, especially a mass population that's armed and and a little bit used to a little bit more freedom than maybe a population full of slaves would be, if you want to exert power over them, you have to provide moral justification you've got to convince them that whatever you're doing is somehow morally justified it doesn't have to be great i mean obviously it's it's a wrong it's it'll be a wrong bad argument it won't be it won't be correct but there's got to be some some appearance of justification and so the reason that you do this is because once you once you say something like this it's hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another Stupid people will get sucked into this and be like, well, yeah, I don't want violence. We wouldn't want we wouldn't want people saying things that would cause violence. Okay, but that definition is intentionally broad enough that now any political enemy can be arrested on that premise or, or on that definition alone. It allows arbitrary if you want power, what you need is actually arbitrary the ability to arbitrarily arrest people and arbitrarily assert your will. Because if all you're doing is enforcing objective laws, you don't have a lot of power. You're just a tool. But if you actually want power, you need your whim needs to be what allows you to exercise uh, uh, violence to use violence against people. And so, if you want if you want that power to be actually yours, everything needs to be legal. Everyone needs to be a potential criminal, so that you can go arrest them whenever you want. Are they going to arrest? Uh, anyone on the left for saying horrible things? That, are they going to arrest Kathy Griffin for holding up uh, a Trump head? Griffith, whatever her name is. Holding up Trump's...
1: A, a, sub, a severed head. Yeah, Severed
0: head of Trump? No, they're not. That's not going to count as hate speech that could cause violence or incite violence. But uh, if someone on Milo Yiannopoulos' Twitter account says something nasty about an actress, well, that's that's violence. Hate. It causes violence and hate he speech. gets banned.
1: Yeah, right. we've seen how, I mean, if you want to know how this would play out if we codify it into law, just look at how it's playing out on social media and how it's played out at colleges. Who are the speakers who get deplatformed? Who are the people who are not allowed to uh, to, to continue their speeches after they book them? Who are the people who get attacked if they do give the speech, like Charles Murray, you know, who get physically right. assaulted? It, it is one-sided.
0: It's absolutely one-sided. And so, you know, he goes on. He goes on to then say, this is one of the things that I, 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 we don't have to read any more of this, but he does go on to say something that really, I, I want people to understand this sleight of hand that happens. He goes on to make the argument that, I don't want to say this. He goes on to assume that the argument for free speech is a practical argument based on the marketplace of ideas. And then he goes on to say, well, that doesn't always work out. The best ideas don't always rise. Um, And therefore, the, the freedom of speech is not such a great idea. Now, that argument is not the proper argument for freedom of speech. It is removed. The, the argument for the freedom of speech is that you control your own life, you own your own life, you have a right to your own life, and it's a moral argument. The argument for freedom of speech is moral, not practical. It's it doesn't matter if the best ideas succeed in the marketplace of ideas. They might not. In a, in a, in a group full of people who are wrongheaded or believe something that's false, false beliefs might become popular. That absolutely can happen. But that is not the reason we don't have freedom of speech, because we expect the best ideas to rise to the top. Many of us do expect that often, but that's not the reason for it. The reason for it is moral. The reason is individual rights, which, by the way, is what they want to destroy, because that's what makes the United States different than all these other countries that they want to be in the club with. It's individual rights. That, if he wants to tear this down, he's got to tear it down from an individual rights perspective. And he can't. So instead, he pretends that the foundation of the freedom of speech is this practical argument about like, well, you get the best ideas if you let Hitler speak. No, that is not what it is. That is not what it That's is. Not what
1: is. You're, this goes back to the point you're always making, which is that the social justice left often grounds their arguments in morality. And I think the people who are trying to point out that this ideology is collectivist, is authoritarian, is racist, is sexist, is all of those things, um, they don't often couch their arguments against it in moral reasons. And I think that we need to start doing so.
0: They can't. Yeah. They can't because they are no, like, their, their philosophy is immoral.
1: No, no, no. I'm saying the people like who push back against it.
0: Oh, oh, they are not
1: take, often. Yeah. Like we need to make the argument that you, what is immoral here is limiting free speech. That it's a moral argument, like you're saying. Yeah, it's not yeah, just sorry, a practical yeah. one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as someone in chat points out, which is exactly correct, <sighs> limiting free speech. It's it's amazing how. These people speak as if you're not supposed to notice how these things get implemented. It's like, oh, we'll just limit blah, blah, blah. Well, what does just limit blah, blah, blah mean? You're not, you're not, this isn't the matrix and you're not the coder. You can't just make things happen. You have to do something. And what is it that you do? What's the one thing the government can do? Initiate the use of force. That's the one thing that they can do. That's what makes the government the government and not Microsoft or Apple or you know, a church. Those other organizations are not allowed to come to your house with guns and arrest you. The government is. They yeah. initiate the use of force. So everything that they're proposing, when he says we shouldn't allow or we should limit speech, what that means is people with guns should take action against you if you utter the wrong sentences. If the, if the syllables that come out, if the sounds your mouth makes are not to the liking of us, People with guns should arrest you. And if he said it that way, I think a lot fewer people would be excited about the idea of limiting freedom of speech. But it, it sounds he makes this this practical argument about, well, you know, we just want the best ideas. And gee, how could we engineer the system to get the best ideas? It doesn't always work this way. Let's let's tweak some knobs over here. But those knobs are people's lives. Those knobs are not knobs. They're this is not an armchair discussion. About this is not. It's, This doesn't end with the legislator's pen. It ends at the point of a gun. It ends with a bullet in your brain. That's where it ends. That's what is necessary. That threat of force is necessary to implement all of this. That's the only way it works. And if that wasn't the only way it works, he wouldn't need power. If it worked any other way, he'd be able to just stand up and say it and it would magically happen. Or he could figure out some free market way to get people to behave the way he wants. But he can't. He needs the power of the government, i.e. he needs guns to force this. And that's what he wants.
1: And and just to remind everyone, the reason this article that he wrote is relevant is because he's on Joe Biden's transition team.
0: Right, He's going to be in sorry. charge of...
1: Yeah, the media. He's going to be in charge of the media. Yep. Someone who thinks that free speech needs to be limited.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, this is the thing that I think um this is the the great disconnect if we can start to realize that as a, as a people, if more of us can start to realize that these people in charge don't like this idea of liberty. They don't They don't like it. They don't think of themselves as you. They're different from you. They're the architects. They're the system architects. They're the people in charge. You are just fodder. Anyone who wants to have a discussion about what the best thing for the system to do for some either greater good or some, it's always some ill-defined term that's never up to you. It's always up to someone else to decide. They view themselves as, as different. This is the aristocracy. And and America is this—I mean, from their perspective, the Enlightenment ideology is a blight on the trajectory of history because the aristocracy has always been in charge in one way or another. There's always been some form of aristocracy. There's always been some way to keep the little people down. And the United States is this eyesore to them because the little people have free speech and guns and, like, technically the government's not supposed to do anything to them. Like— they technically have a hell of a lot of freedom. Technically, they're no different than the aristocrats. And that, that scares the crap out of them. They hate it. To them, the, the Enlightenment ideas is a cancer. And they're worried about it spreading. Don't worry. This out, is a great segue
1: into possibly the sign behind you.
0: <laughs> oh, God, Carrie. It is a great segue <laughs> the sign behind me. Do you know about the sign behind me? Yes, I do. Can I admit something? I, I yeah. just learned about it because people were saying i you look, everyone's susceptible to to narrative like the mainstream narrative and whatever myself included right So people yeah. were saying to me, "Read about the great reset, and I gotta be honest. my reaction was like, "Oh God, this sounds like some stupid conspiracy thing. people where they're gonna be like. Oh, there's there's some cabal of people that's trying to do the great reset. It's some it's some thing, It's some like New World Order, blah 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 thing. Illuminati. That's what I expected. But then I did the stupid thing of like googling it. Actually, Trudeau helped me out, which is why he's on our. Yeah, cover can team. we
1: can we play that clip of Trudeau?
0: Yeah, let me find. Do you him. have it? Yep, here he is.
1: Because it's funny that this came up because I started reading about the Great Reset last week I, I can't remember why um i think it was somebody saying read about it and i looked up a few articles in legacy media where they're very open about it it's not a conspiracy theory right, no right that's what i found it. out
0: it's like it's not a conspiracy at all it's actually there's a website so uh there's a website for the great <laughs> yeah, reset. they're very open yeah but let's let's hear justin trudeau is what made me when he said this i went oh maybe this is real i need to go look this up uh yeah. i just i you know, Maya Copa. I just figured it was some crazy thing. Okay, here's Trudeau. I apologize in advance that you have to listen to Justin Trudeau.
2: <laughs> Building back better means getting support to the most vulnerable while maintaining our momentum on reaching the 2030 agenda for sustainable development and the SDGs. Canada is here to listen and to help. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset this is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty inequality and climate change
0: okay so that is trudeau i thought he was like letting it slip and that like oh he wasn't supposed to say the use the word reset but no he's not letting it slip they don't not they're not this is fine this is fine to them so the great reset here we can let me show some web pages here, because you can just look this stuff up. It's, it's just here. Um, the Great Reset. This is the World Economic Forum. The Great Reset was. Uh, I, it appears to be the brainchild of um, one of the founders uh, of the the World Economic Forum here. And just to be clear, so there's a couple websites. There's this website, the World Economic Forum Great Reset one. Um, and there's another one called – there's actually the great – or just greatreset.com, which we'll go over in a second. The thing to keep in mind about this is – so this guy, Klaus Schwab, wrote a book about it. He's I think he's the co-founder of the World Economic Forum. This language is not aimed at you. This is aimed at elites. This is, this is elites talking amongst themselves about what to do. And they're doing it. In open, out in the open, in front of everyone, because they want as many right in front of us. cathedral people yeah. paying attention as possible. And 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 here's this is, and I want to point that out because I just want to just show you what I'm talking about. There's an, ur- and this is from this website. There's an urgent need for global stakeholders to cooperate in simultaneously managing the direct consequences of COVID. So they're not talking about regular people; they're talking about global stakeholders. That means they're talking about the elite class. And if you go down here. You can see what they're talking about, who they intend this to be for. It says, "As we enter," and by the way, we've quoted Rahm Emanuel in the past. This is this is the definition here of never let a crisis go to waste. Right, so never let a here we go. go to waste.
1: This As is, we by enter, the way, go ahead. We don't give trigger warnings on this show, but I just want to say, this is chilling. So, oh, totally chilling. If it, if it sends a shiver down your spine, you're not the only one. Okay. Yeah,
0: sorry about that. So. <laughs> It says here, as we enter a unique window of opportunity, so they're viewing the crisis, so that, remember, these are elites talking to elites and they're saying COVID is is a, this crisis of COVID is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. As we enter a unique window of opportunity to shape the recovery, this initiative will offer insights to help inform, so who are they gonna help inform? All those determining the future state of global relations, The direction of national economies, the priorities of societies, the national business models, and the management of a global commons. This is exactly what I was talking about a few minutes ago with respect to the idea of America being this untamed place where people have liberty. And there aren't people in charge of the economies and in charge of the, the societies and, and in charge of the business models and the management of their resources. In, in an actual free society where you're not controlled, not centrally planned, uh, America is, 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 is the problem here. They can't do this in a country where people have rights and don't have to listen to leaders. They need control that's what this is so they're talking they're talking amongst themselves this is what this is so what is the great reset here's another website why do we need to reset well what they want here um ultimately this is about what they're calling climate change and sustainability okay uh and they don't, just keep in mind when they think, when they talk about, they don't really use the word liberty, but when they think about freedom or liberty, to them, those are economic tools that you use so that the, the farm animals on the tax farm are more productive. They're not moral, they're not moral things to discuss. They're not, these aren't moral concepts to them. They don't have conversations about what's right and what's wrong. What they have conversations about is what incentives work to control the masses, to do the things that we want. Right? That's why you have that's why you have success in China, right? Because you had you had Deng Xiaoping take over after after Mao died and basically, and you 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 had him look at this and say, Oh, we can't just do socialism. We need socialism with quote Chinese characteristics, which meant we're gonna need some freedom because socialism itself doesn't work. It's freedom is just a tool. There's no China has no ideological uh love for freedom. There's no, there's no ideological reason to have let people have private property, except that it, cre- it creates a better tax farm for them. So that's the that's the mentality here. So what they're saying what we what we do to reset is they're saying the pause during this lockdown created by the pandemic will result in a 7% decrease in global emissions. So there's this is a silver lining to them. You're staying home and starving and running off, you know, ruining your savings. Well, that's good because we don't have many global emissions. The UN states that we need to decrease 7.6 every year until 2030 to avoid climate and, end, and ecological disaster. Of course, as we've talked about in the past, there's always, that's just perpetual. Uh, we've already passed points of no return several times. Uh, they say here, this means we need to maintain the same decrease every year as if we were living in lockdown. So what they want... They want people to not change. They want when lockdown ends, they want to have the same lifestyle as before the lockdown. Look, they've got, people don't want to go back. This is, again, when, when you see people just think sheep, that's how they're thinking of it, right? Our tax resources don't want to go back. Only 23% of the UK public believe following lockdown, lockdown, advertising should encourage people to consume, shop, and fly like before lockdown. 77% believe it's the industry's responsibility to encourage people to behave more sustainably like during lockdown. Right now, we have a small window of opportunity to reset and reshape the future we want. The Great Reset is a creative industry movement to embed the positive environmental shifts that have happened during lockdown as the new normal. This is what they want. This is what they want, and to do this, they need control. They need to get rid of individual rights. They need to have control. This is why they need hate speech laws, for example, um, because they need control over you. Someone said to me, go buy, buy, "Go buy more rice." Yeah, and I have, I've got a lot of food in the fridge and the downstairs. I, I think we can survive, but yeah. Um. So this is what they want to do. And you'll see, if you read up on this, you can go to these websites, you can read all you want about this stuff. Um, hold on, Kerry, are you sending me messages on Signal? Oh, you are, look at this. What do you want me to put up? You want me to put one of these up? You're, you're muted, Carrie.
1: I just wanted to pull up a couple things. One is this old article from The Intercept that we talked about, I don't know, months ago when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from May. It's by Naomi Klein. And yep. I keep coming back to this piece, but and and I think it plays right into what we're talking about, how they're using COVID as an opportunity. Never let an op- never let a crisis go to waste, right? Um, this is called Screen New Deal, under cover of mass death. Andrew Andrew Cuomo calls in the billionaires to build a high tech dystopia. And this piece this piece is basically about how they've been working. With Google, with Eric Schmidt, you know Google CEO, former CEO,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, to try and push like it, it's basically like they wanted to do a number of things for a while. One of which I think is make us a cashless society, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but the other is to is to do to sort of move us into a place where we're not interacting in the public as much. Like what you just said in this, they have the goal of maintaining what what it's like now. Um, Not having us going out and interacting and so sort of forcing us all into this new screen relationship where when we get our food It's from ordering it if if we do go somewhere. It's from a kiosk, you know, it's it's Limiting human interaction and this isn't pause
0: for there for a second Carrie, just for a moment Um, Because there's a reason why they want everything to go through the screen because when Carrie and I talk in person There's no one listening and there's no one that can moderate that conversation but if Karen and I yes. have to talk over the internet, someone can listen and someone can moderate that conversation. They can change how we they, – they control that personal relationship when it's digital in a way that they don't when it's, when it's live. So if, if all of us – I don't know how many people are, are watching or listening right now. But if all of us were in a large room together having a conversation, they couldn't – there's nothing they could do about this conversation. They don't have any insight into it. They can't control it. They can't shut it down. They can't. There's nothing they could do about it. But because it's happening online, we've got YouTube's hands up up in this conversation as much as they want, because because we're online. And they that's true for that's um, that's true for social media. It's true for the internet generally. They like forcing people online because it allows them to control relationships. It allows them to see that post from Carrie or not depending on whether yeah. they like what Carrie posted. So I just wanted to point that to out.
1: See, to see all the communications. Mm-hmm. Somebody, Dion in chat, just said, I bet they already have plans to turn office buildings into housing. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, so from this article, I just wanted to read just a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talks about how Cuomo announced a partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to develop a, quote, smarter education system. Colin Gates a visionary, Cuomo said that the pandemic has created a moment in history when we can actually incorporate and advance Gates' ideas. All of these buildings, all of these physical classrooms, why with all the technology you have? He asked, apparently rhetorically. Right. Okay, so this is, this is where we get to the meat of part of it. It has taken some time to gel, but something resembling a coherent pandemic shock doctrine is beginning to emerge Call it the Screen New Deal. Far more high-tech than anything we have seen during previous disasters, the future that is being rushed into being as the bodies still pile up treats our past weeks of physical isolation not as a painful necessity to save lives, but as a living laboratory for a permanent and highly profitable no-touch future. That's right. Uh, Anuja Sonaker, CEO of SteerTech, a Maryland-based company selling self-parking technology, recently summed up the new virus personalized pitch. Quote, there has been a distinct warming up to humanless, contactless technology, she said. Humans are biohazards, machines are not. It's a future in which our homes are never again exclusively personal spaces, but are also, via high-speed digital connectivity, our schools, our doctor's offices, our gyms, and if determined by the state... Our jails, that's an important part because I want to talk about something later that just happened Mm -hmm. in Denmark, our jails. Of course, for many of us, those same homes were already turning into our never-off workplaces and our primary entertainment venues before the pandemic and surveillance and incarceration in the community was already booming. But in the future, under hasty construction, all of these trends are poised for warp speed acceleration. This is a future in which, for the privileged Almost everything is home delivered, either virtually via streaming and cloud technology or physically via driverless vehicle or drone, then screen shared on a mediated platform. It's a future that employs far fewer teachers, doctors, and drivers. It accepts no cash or credit cards under guise of virus control and has skeletal mass transit and far less live art. It's a future that claims to be run on artificial intelligence but is actually held together by tens of millions of anonymous workers tucked away in warehouses, data centers, content moderation mills, electronic sweatshops, lithium mines, industrial farms, meat processing plants, and prisons, where they are left unprotected from disease and hyper-exploitation. It's a future in which our every move, our every word, our every relationship is trackable, traceable, and data-mineable by unprecedented collaborations between government and tech giants. Okay, this this whole article is it's a great article, amazing. Like, but yeah, yeah. You you guys, we'll put this in the in the notes because this is you have to read the whole thing. I don't want to take up more time reading it, but it's she's talking about how they've everything's been moving. They've been moving everything here anyway. COVID was just a great opportunity, a crisis that they're using to push yep. us there faster.
0: Yep. No, and that's and that's that's the concern and. <sighs> They do – they use a lot of jargon also when they talk about things, and and so it makes it seem like it's kind of – it makes it hard to debunk sometimes because they use a lot of jargon. Like this guy who um, I guess coined – I don't know if he coined the term, but the main guy, the the Klaus Schwab dude for The Great Reset, he talks about, well – Shareholder capitalism has failed. We need, we need stakeholder capitalism, which is like this different kind of thing. And, it, and you know, they'll, they'll talk about this stuff, and if you're not understanding what they're talking about, it kind of seems like well, that's just reasonable. They're trying to make the world a better place. But it is all just about control. That's all it is. It's just about control. It has nothing to do with, you know... By the way, they use the word capitalism so that you don't freak out, because if they said socialism... A lot, of, a lot of Americans would freak out, even, even though I know a lot of people kind of now like it. Um, that word, there's still a lot of people who, are, like, you know, they don't like this idea of, of they need some kind of, quote, capitalism. Um, and to me, I asked the question when they call it the Great Reset. The question that I asked myself, for, first of all, actually, I think the name is telling because it indicates I called them system architects before. That's how they think of themselves. This is this is how a system architect would define this. They view they view your life as part of a larger system, and they just want to press the reset button because they're the operator of the system. That's beep, time to hit the reset button on all you yeah. people, proletariat. Bye. Reset button. We don't like the way things are going. Um, you guys, you guys over here in America have too much freedom, and this isn't working out over here. Beep. We're gonna hit the reset button. So that that betrays how they think of themselves. Um, but it also, I asked a question to myself, like, okay. What are they resetting? And the only answer I can come up with is the Enlightenment. That's the reset. They don't like it. Yeah, the Enlightenment was yeah. uh, a a meme. It was a mind virus that they hate. It's under it undermined their control for some period of time. They've been working to undo it ever since. And uh, this is their opportunity. This is their opportunity to to drive the final nail in the coffin of the Enlightenment. They want to reset. They want, to, they want to reset because the enlightenment has created a level of chaos that they don't like. And by chaos, I just yeah. mean people making decisions they don't like, doing things they don't like, uh, not following the rules that they want to set down, saying the things they don't like. Basically, people being people and being free and having the liberty to do what they want instead of being tax animals on a tax farm. Tax,
2: yeah, and tax what they want
0: seat. is for you to be a shut up and be a tax animal on the tax farm and they'll give you a little bit of little liberty or a little bit of freedom if it makes you work harder and makes you know they get more taxes out of it if they can you know they'll engineer your behavior it's not gonna it's not like you'll have no freedom they'll give you just enough so that you know the machine because this is how they think of it this is how they think of the world and people the machine works and they're trying to optimize the machine notice how like notice how this completely ignores individual rights there's no morality here at all zero morality zero yeah this is a anyone who they, looks at the world like a machine is is completely divorced from morality but that's how they look at it
1: it's it, that like you said they'll give you just enough they'll give you the bread and circuses you know they'll give you remember how at the beginning of the lockdowns the people who seemingly supported the government like local state governments Thinking they had the right to tell you that you right. couldn't operate your small business or go to work, the people that were comfortable with that were like, "What's the big deal? I get paid working from home, uh, don't you?" And I, it's a Netflix. Somebody said to me, "It's a, enjoy the Netflix vacation." Right. That that's your bread and circuses, I guess.
2: You yeah.
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, they they would love that. And and you know, just to be to be clear, and I don't. Gonna... Go ahead.
1: Well, and. I I can't help but think of Brave New World a lot uh, during all this. And, you know, the the Mm foreword, which I've mentioned pretty frequently, I guess, (laughs) the foreword to his second edition of the book, and I think it was 1942, Huxley wrote about what, in the time since he had written the book, in the 30s, how much further we had progressed towards this dystopia than he thought we would have in that Mm -hmm. short amount of time. And he talked about what he thought was necessary to actually take us there fully, and you know, in the book he there's a there's a drug he made this drug up and it, it takes place in the future guys you know the book soma he says we something like soma will have to become legal and distributed to the masses and that has all the numbing effects of the numbing pleasant effects of heroin or whiskey but without all the the bad side effects and I'm not saying pot is like that and I do think I'm a person like you probably, Carter. I think pot should be legal. But it is interesting to me that what's happening side by side with this is pot is becoming legal. And I just I see more people, especially during this lockdown, just choosing to check out. And, you know, that, that's part of the bread and circuses. That's like keep, yeah, you, I, keep, you, keep you muted.
0: I don't think Orwell—I don't think the science was there when Orwell made this statement, so he couldn't have known this. But uh, I think the drug is social media. Um, oh yeah the drug you have your own chemicals in your brain that give you the euphoric experiences and and the anticipation of a reward all that your brain chemistry is all there drugs just just trigger something in it, it is. and it is social, social media, media triggers it
1: social media triggers it, it it is a drug so have you seen the social dilemma yet I finally watched yes. it
0: yeah yeah um so yeah absolutely so I think you know I think we're I think we're there. Um, But yeah, by the way, the other thing I just want, just as someone who I still don't want to give up on the word capitalism, I know I'm supposed to give up on the word capitalism, but I just don't want to give up on this (laughs) word. Uh,
1: Don't give up on it. I I know I should. I should give up
0: on it. I get it. But uh, Uh, look, there's this idea that, like, oh, uh, shareholder capitalism has failed. So we need stakeholder capitalism, blah, 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 blah. Look. Capitalism fundamentally is just property rights. That's all it is. It's property rights. How you run your company is up to you. You want to run your company where you maximize value for shareholders. That may or may not work out for you in the long run. Uh, good companies often don't. They they don't just do one at the exclusion of everything else because company is a long term thing. If you screw over your employees, eventually you're not going to have good employees. No one's going to work want to work with you anymore. No one's going to want to work for you, and you're not going to be able to produce good products. Uh, Usually what good companies focus on is is the consumer. They make the consumers happy. And if that's their focus, everything else works out really well. They make sure they're trying to make the consumers happy long term. Okay, but this is a this is like a management strategy. Like this is a this is a unique thing that the company needs to decide. Companies are just groups of people that have contractual obligations to work together. That's all they are. So this group of people decides to run their company in some way. There's no you don't shift the economy to this kind of capitalism and that kind of capitalism. That's not a thing unless you're planning to manage all of our corporations for us, which they are. Hey, Um, they are
1: managing how many of our airlines, you know, as part of the, the, the stimulus, the stimulus bill for Americans, right? Where they bailed out the corporations, the, the COVID stimulus pack, Mm -hmm. they, they are managing and we don't get to know which ones they took control of several airlines.
0: I mean, this is the—we talked about this. I think Michael Rechtenwald mentioned this as well, um, but it's worth re- repeating to people. A lot of people think that they view socialism as—the rise of socialism will be this—it uh, it comes from the masses, and it does away with companies, like, and companies get absorbed by the state, and that's, that's how socialism and communism arises. And so there's this inherent conflict between a large company and, and socialism That's not always true. Gillette is one of the examples that he uses where from day one, they were a socialist company. And their view of how socialism comes to be is that corporations just expand and expand and expand and expand. And eventually they merge with the government. And that's how socialism happens. So there's not necessarily. And by the way, that seems to be the trajectory we're following. Uh, Google, Amazon. I mean, Facebook. Just look at those three companies. Uh, Look how much they control. And how in bed with the government they are or will be. Look at even even Zuckerberg when when they drag him in front of Congress. What does he say? I would support regulation. Of course you would support regulation. Of course you want to be regulated. He wants the marriage of the government and Facebook. They all want that marriage because it gives them more power and more control and they can lock out competitors and you don't have to worry about Parler anymore or MeWe or anything else. So... Yeah. Uh, The idea that that threats to capitalism can't come from major corporations who are sleeping with the enemy is is naive. Absolutely, they can.
1: You woke Um, me up to this.
0: Let's do some super chats while we're here. Sorry, star chats, star chats,
1: star Uh, chats. Just a reminder, (laughs) as Carter's pulling them up. We are currently still exiled from our main unsafe space channel. So if you're watching this live, you're watching us on the clips channel. It's our new clips channel hit subscribe on the clips channel. If you're not already subscribed. And, uh, if you ever want to find us and we're banned from somewhere, just go to Carter, set up a page. It's unsafe space.com backslash live. And wherever we're streaming, we will put it there. Yes. Um, but you're on the clips channel. If you're watching this, uh, later, we, once we get back into our main account, we will put this there. Um, but yeah, if you want to do a super chat today, we can't do it on this channel. So you can go to Subscribestar.com, leave a one-time tip and whatever whatever your note is, and we will get to it.
0: Yep. So uh, Tara gives us 10 bucks. Thank you, Tara. And she says, yes, the elites, especially those from Europe, hate America and Americans because most of us are descended from their rabble that they were more than happy to get rid of. That's true. Uh, and here we are being successful without giving a crap about what the elites say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally think that's part of it. And, um, you know, they do, they do have, they do have a, they, they do condescend to Americans quite a lot. They don't, don't have a very favorable view of Americans. Um, no. so, uh, Okay. Next one, Richard Pets. Richard Pets gives us five bucks and says, this has been a long time coming. No surprise, really. Writing has been on the wall. Cheers to you both. Um, I think he's talking about the Great Reset stuff. That's been a long time coming. Right, and I, yeah. I would totally agree with you. Again, I think what's happened is, I've said this a million times, we've been marching in this direction for over a century. We've been moving in this direction for a long, long time. Um, in fact, I am going to bring up not... Not in a moment, but when we're done with super chats, I'm going to bring up something Keith the Hack guy shared with me about the Kentucky Resolutions because this is the anniversary. Uh, today's the anniversary of Kentucky Resolutions passed in 1798. Um, um, but just, just yeah,
1: right before we do that, just to, somebody's saying that the, the sounds, the notifications have sounds and it's blinging every time or something.
0: Now they don't. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> by the way, and there's also probably I my computer. I need a new computer at some point. It also sometimes does this weird like audio thing that gets stuck in the audio feed and so there's this weird beat that I can't get rid of. Apologize for that if you're hearing that crap. Um, Panama Red sends us five bucks and says, I've heard from Germans and Romanians that their mainstream media is mainly CNN talking points. My guess is that US audience doesn't matter to CNN, but the international audience they influence does matter. That could be true. Yes. And, And I do think they are consumed by, I hate to say this, but I think... CNN is the is the I think they're probably the channel of record for most other outlets like CNN is the reference point they look at CNN yes. uh which is bizarre and i don't know if you've you've i'm sure you've seen those compilation videos where they're they all repeat the exact same thing on all the local affiliate channels they all say the exact same words I saw another yes. one recently where they were all saying, this is a threat to our democracy. They're all talking about the same thing and using the exact same phrases, the exact same sentences. And, you know, the person who did the meme, I don't have it with me, but, you know, there's like, I don't know, 25 of these screens all going at the same time. And all these local affiliates saying the exact same thing at the exact same time. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um,
1: well, Rebecca, speaking of saying the same thing, in that Trudeau video, somebody in the chat pointed out earlier, you notice how he's using uh, Biden's catchphrase, build back better or whatever.
0: Oh, mm.
1: We're starting to see that everywhere. Okay.
0: I didn't even know that was his catchphrase until recently, though. So, uh, Rebecca Peterson gives us five bucks. Thank you, Rebecca. And she says, uh, was the Great Reset originally planned? They're making it sound like this idea started during the pandemic, but I had heard other conspiracy theorists that this concept of the Great Reset was... Uh, started up years ago. Do you have any insights? I don't personally have any insights, but uh, to me, it's kind of irrelevant because it's the um, it's the expected and natural culmination of what they've been working towards forever. So at some point, at you know, you lay all the groundwork, and at some point, you got to make your move. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a revolution, at some point, you got to make your move against the establishment. You, you got to do it. You got to take over. If you're gonna have a revolution, you got to take over at some point. You got to make your big move. And so. Have they been planning a big move? I'm sure they've been planning for their big move. When, the, when they felt like the climate was right, they would do this. And uh, whether it was called the Great Reset and exactly how, I, I don't have personal insight into that. But even if it wasn't, I absolutely, I mean, they, we know they use crises as opportunities. They talk about that openly. So you got to think, open. as soon as COVID came around, someone was like, oh, maybe this is the opportunity that we've been waiting yeah. for. Done. Uh so someone in chat says yes. The reset was long time planned. It doesn't surprise yeah. me. It doesn't surprise me.
1: It's also can can I just read while you're pulling up the next one, just really briefly. Mm-hmm. This is from that forward to Brave New World that I talked about. Mm-hmm. At, so Huxley wrote this in he wrote the forward in 1946, 15 mm-hmm. years after he had written the novel. And it's it's long. There's a lot in it. I'm just going to talk about this. He says the most important Manhattan projects of the future will be vast government-sponsored inquiries into what the politicians and the participating scientists will call the problem of happiness. In other words, the problem of making people love their servitude. Without economic security, the love of servitude cannot possibly come into existence. For the sake of brevity, I assume that the all-powerful executive and its managers will succeed in solving the problem of permanent security. But security tends very quickly to be taken for granted. Its achievement is merely a superficial external revolution. The love of servitude cannot be established except as the result of a deep personal revolution in human minds and bodies. To bring about that revolution re- we require among others the following discoveries and inventions. First, a greatly improved technique of suggestion through infant conditioning and later with the aid of drugs such as sclopamine. Sco- scopolamine. Scopolamine
0: I don't well, know. by the way, Seven, that okay. suggestion has come through big tech also. We can, yes. we can suggest. Yep.
1: Yeah. So that's already happened. A greatly improved technique of suggestion. What mm-hmm. We are being fed propaganda constantly. They are censoring mm-hmm. what they don't want us to hear, and they are creating propaganda and pumping it into us, not just in the legacy media, but on social media. They're doing this constantly. And, and, and when he says through infant conditioning, you know, in the book Brave New World, they there's something he they do, hypnopedia, where they basically the kids are sleeping and they pump stuff into their heads. You don't need to do that. We're already indoctrinating kids in school. It's in the elementary schools now, as we know. Social justice and ideology is there. Look at and television, television
0: channels and, and programs. And social
1: media. Yep. Kids are all online now. It's already there. We're already suggesting things in the minds, like we're pro- programming kids. Mm-hmm. That's already happening. Um, and so then he says, second, So that's the first thing they need. Second, a fully developed science of human differences, enabling the government managers to assign any given individual to his or her proper place Mm. in the social and economic hierarchy. What does that sound like? He's, talk, he's talking about a fully developed science of human differences. What is this ideology all about social justice ideology? It's putting you in your place. what race are you? what sex are you? what sexuality are you? And then they want to make laws they want to make laws that apply to certain groups and not to others. Yeah, although
0: I think he would be I think a better analog for what he's talking about is actually uh, the mapping of the human genome and understanding of of uh, genetics and SNPs oh, and all that, because you know, it, once you, once you can figure out what people are, what makes a person happy or content, then you can assign that to them. I think we're probably ten years away from being even close yeah. to thinking about that. Um, yes, maybe maybe a little bit longer, but we're probably ten years away from actually being able to map some of that stuff pretty well yeah uh, at least but that's
1: that's the book he out. Ma- can you guys believe he wrote this in the 30s in brave new world they do that they assign you a job based on what group you're in they have the alphas right. the betas the you know but they the genetically
0: damas. engineer the groups right they genetically so the, the only groups. difference is he, he like we're probably not going to be doing genetic engineering but we could be looking at uh genetic markers and being like oh this is these are the things that will make this person, this person is well suited to bleh. okay,
1: yeah, to this, um, that's their job, we'll do that. right? Okay, so that's the second thing. So here's the third thing, and this is uh, there's only four. I'm gonna third, since reality, however utopian, is something from which people feel the need of taking pretty frequent holidays, there will need to be a, a substitute for alcohol and the other narcotics, something at once less harmful and more pleasure giving than gin. Or heroin. That's the one I mentioned right. earlier, right. right? Which you think social media is the drug? I but, think
0: it's social media. It could uh, be widespread porn.
1: Porn. Um, social media.
0: Like all that stuff. Anything that anything that's like it doesn't give you a hangover the next morning, but it, it wastes your time and makes you feel good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It sucks you. It, it, you check out. You're not. You just in the need real something to get you people to that. check out. Yeah. yeah. Just check out. Think about mm-hmm. when you go on social media and you lose two hours. <laughs> Think about when you watch porn and you lose time. Okay, so fourth. Okay, and fourth, but this would be a long-term project, which it would take generations of totalitarian control to bring to a successful conclusion. We would need a foolproof system of eugenics designed to standardize the human product and so to facilitate the task of managers. That's what you just talked about.
0: Yeah, although I'm not sure that we would actually... Need that to start, I think we would need it eventually um but I mean, you can achieve this by testing instead of actually doing genetic engineering, you can achieve it if you're willing to just abort the if you're doing if you're just willing to abort all the kids that don't fit whatever plans you've got for them if I don't think the government right. we're not in the place where the government's about to force that though i don't I think we're far away from that um but I don't think that part's yeah. actually as necessary. Uh, as he does, but
1: anyway, interesting. Yeah, just interesting. It makes you think. Totally. And I, that's why I really enjoy a lot of these older um, dystopian books because you can see he could see in his lifetime, just 15 years after he wrote it, things moving along this path. Mm-hmm. And like, look how much further we've come. I was gonna
0: say, can you imagine what he would see today?
2: God, right.
1: we need we need a Huxley today. Okay. Um,
0: by the way, we, one more super chat. Um, Panama Red wanted to clarify something. Uh, like Panama Red previously was saying, "I've heard the Germans and Romanians that their MSN mainly, is mainly CNA, CNN talking points." Uh, so the clarification is, want to clarify that. I mean German and Romanian news on the U.S, specifically are often CNN talking points. A lot of Romanians, for instance, think the U.S. border wall is a racist is racist, despite themselves having their own border wall that they don't see as racist. Okay, so reporting on America is that America is racist. Blah, blah, blah. They, they basically have the CNN line for America. That I mean, that makes sense. I mean, just think of it practically. Where are these people going to get their information about America? CNN's got a brand that they're going to trust and be like, oh, well, CNN says that this must be, this is the objective media about the U.S., so, um, yeah. All right. Okay. I want to bring this Mm. up, this Kentucky resolutions thing, because Keith brought it up to me, and it is related to everything we're talking about. And it just so happens that it's today in history. So today in history, uh, on this day, November 16th, 1798, I'm going to pull up an article about this people are people sometimes ask, well when did all this stuff this free speech anti free speech stuff start right away uh this was a battle that was had right away right out of the gate so um America never really had it's not like we had things working out well and lost our way. It was always a battle from the very beginning um and basically, what you need to know about the Kentucky Resolutions of 1798, which sounds very boring, but uh, look, the president at the time, President John Adams, um, he uh, he used the Alien and Sedition Acts to basically go after people that were criticizing him. So let's just let's just read this part here. The so-called alien acts were used by the president to declare foreign residents in the United States to be enemies of the state and to have them jailed and deported. The Sedition Acts, on the other hand, endowed the president with the power to outlaw and punish any criticism of the Adams administration considered by the executive branch to be seditious. So this is right away, right away, 1798, you've got power mongers like Adams going after free speech immediately. Fortunately, you had Thomas Jefferson. Now, he was actually too afraid to not anonymously do some of this stuff, but uh, that, that should give you a hint as to how much power the state had. Um, but Jefferson helped write—so there was this, this congressman, Samuel Cabell, um, from Jefferson's home district in Virginia, and Cabell got in trouble with Adams under these acts because he sent a letter to constituents criticizing the administration of John Adams— so this was considered sedition. And what was, and he, here's what he, Adams charged him with, in, quote, endeavoring at a time of real public danger to disseminate unfounded calumnities against the happy government of the United States. Okay, so this is using, uh, using the Sedition Act. What was Jefferson's argument against this? He didn't even really go into the First Amendment. What he did, and I think this is very important to know, is Jefferson basically said, "Hey, the states can ignore this crap. The Constitution is an agreement between states. The federal government is not endowed with the power to persecute these people for for hate speech, basically <laughs> right You didn't use the term hate speech. but um, we can nullify these laws, basically is what he said. we don't we don't have to do this. We can ignore it. Um, and so both Virginia and Kentucky, passed these resolutions basically saying eh, we're going to we're going to ignore this um, and the governor says that Kentucky and all states retain the power to quote applaud or to censure that government when applause or censure becomes it's due he concluded his remarks by encouraging the state legislators to reaffirm their commitments to the union and to the constitution by firmly renouncing quote all unconstitutional laws and inpolitic proceedings of the federal government so just a little bit of history that i think is kind of relevant right now in the sense that it's important to remember that we've been fighting this battle forever this has been this battle has been waged forever there are always people that have wanted to control speech even yeah. even in the presence of the first amendment there's always been people who have have thought that well, for the greater good or the good of my administration or something that I want, we should have. This should be illegal. Um, and states do actually have the right. If you're in a state where maybe you can influence the politics in your state, sometimes it seems like you can't do much at the federal level. I get that. Uh I I feel yeah. I also feel like you can't do much at the federal level actually can't do much in California either but that's a separate point not everyone lives in California you might not live here in the crappy state of California that i live in you might be able to change your local or state politics and you can totally uh you can totally ignore the federal government if you have the right people in charge uh they can ignore the federal government and you can influence that so that's maybe one way to work against some of this stuff is to mm. start focusing on a local and on state the local. levels because yeah. I know people in chat were saying, "Well, Biden didn't win yet; he's not the president." That's true; he's not technically the president-elect. Um, but we're assuming that if he does win, this is we're going to go down these paths. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, we're still waiting to see what happens too. But you know, I, let's talk about what happens if he if he is sort of. By the way, did you see that the uh, uh,
0: the 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 uh, what is it? The subcommittee on government operations said that hey we're not we're not declaring a winner yet that's not how it works the media doesn't declare a winner like mm,
2: there's a
1: there's no. a
0: there's a process uh this is how we're doing this uh, because the Biden administration is pissed off cuz they want access to stuff they're saying like well we've got a transition team and we need access and he's the president elect and uh the they're saying the no uh he's not the president elect states certify the election results that hasn't happened yet when the states are done certifying the election results and then 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 and then we have the electoral college vote like then he'll be the president-elect he is not the president-elect we're not going to to do this um yeah so there's been a little bit of a battle there do you, I just want to bring this up because it this is another one of those things that pisses me off uh I mean are you gonna I, talk
1: I, about the Logan act
0: yes yes
1: <laughs> I knew it I knew it yes yeah the go okay ahead. I, I Thinking the same thing,
0: yeah. So there's a there's uh no one's ever been successfully prosecuted under this. Well, it was never. <laughs> I don't know if this General Flynn count as successfully prosecuted. So in 1799, there's the Logan Act, and this this it calls for the imprisonment of a fine or imprisonment of private citizens who attempt to intervene without authorization in disputes or controversies between the United States and foreign governments. So basically, it means Kerry can't show up in North Korea and be like, I'm negotiating on behalf of the U.S. Right, like she doesn't have the authority to do that. She could get in trouble for for representing the United States. Now, uh, every administration, every whenever there's an administration change, there's this period of time from between the election and when an inauguration day, when the new incoming president's team needs to take the reins, right, and start taking over relationships and getting up to speed on stuff. And as part of that, everyone always. Is having communications with representatives from foreign governments, saying, "Hey, well, you know, I, they're obviously they're not saying I'm not negotiating currently, but I'm going to be like, you know, January comes along, this administration will be in, getting to know you, trying to figure out what your issues are, here what our issues are going to be, let's build a relationship here because we're going to have to deal with each other moving forward, and." The deep state—I'm just going to say the deep state because that's what this is. Uh, the deep state used the Logan Act to go
1: after General Flynn for having conversations.
2: Flynn.
1: Um, when Flynn was on the transition team yes. of the actual president-elect, yes, and it had been certified, and he was doing what they all do.
0: <laughs> yes, he was doing exactly, exactly what he was supposed to do. And they said, well, you had—, you had phone calls. Yeah, he did have phone calls. And and I guess they were like, well, I think they tried to get him on some technicality where he didn't remember he had some phone call or whatever. But it doesn't matter. He's supposed to do that. Well, now, now here we are fast forward 4 years later. So, 4 years ago, the the left is losing their shit that Michael Flynn dares to have a call with a foreign representative before his officially in office before he's official before trump's presidency is official but after he's president-elect during the transition which which was not new, like that's not a new thing everyone does that
1: they all do no it. one
0: no one prosecuted for that because it's understandable did it. right yeah they tried to prosecute him under that fast forward four years from now you've got the same people saying well he might not be president-elect yet but you need to give him access they need to have they need to start doing all this yeah. stuff on behalf of the united states uh, I don't know. It, that, what pisses me off, I and guess, is, just is the double and standard. And he is Come
1: doing on. that stuff. He is, right? Of he's, course, he's not. He's not certified president elect, but he's already set up a transition team, and they've admitted they are talking to foreign leaders. Right. Right. I'm so, Where's sorry, the Logan that's Act what you went now. Michael Flynn for doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I do. I, I thought you might bring that up. I saw. It's an incredible, incredible double standard.
0: But we're just supposed to all forget that this is what happened. We're supposed to pretend that there's not any double standard at all. I'm sure CNN's not covering any double standard. I don't know what they're saying about it. But Of
1: course not. Of
0: it course just pisses not. me it pisses me off so much because it's so blatant. It's just so blatant. I don't know how you could be more obvious, but all right. Um, I do want to do we have another super chat. I want to just read um Brian Lindbergh says, build back better has been used by other UN leaders long before Biden. Oh, I didn't know that. Ever used the slogan? He's signaling that he's on board with a great reset. Oh, that's more chilling and makes more sense. Thank you, Brian. Um, Damn. That makes sense. That would explain that. You hit the reset and you build back, quote, build back better. Yeah. Well.
1: So somebody pointed... Somebody pointed out in the chat earlier when we were talking about the Great Reset, how this is going to starve millions of people in de- developing countries. And uh, earlier today, someone sent me a link. This is from the World Food Program, United Nations. Mm-hmm. And I take everything the United Nations says with a grain of salt. Um this is an article from september 17, 2020 and it just says the world food program chief warns of grave dangers of economic impact of coronavirus as millions are per- pushed further into hunger and they're just kind of taking stock of where things are at and um here's just one part I want to read as covid-19 pushed countries everywhere to lockdown the equivalent of 400 million full-time jobs have been destroyed and remittances have collapsed the impact has been felt hardest by the 2 billion people who work in the informal economy around the world, mainly in middle- and low-income countries. Already, only one day's work away from going hungry, in other words, living hand-to-mouth. You and I have food in the pantry in a lockdown. We have enough food for two or three weeks. These people don't have that luxury. If they miss a day's wages, they miss a day's worth of food, and their children suffer. And, and it just goes on about how many people in the third world have been affected since the lockdowns started. Yep. And it's, it's amazing to me that they can both... Recognize this, put out an article about it, and then still be enacting, you know, putting up this great reset site and enacting this, this reset, this future, trying to accelerate us into this future they want. Well, that, that will only, all of that's only going to get worse. They think yeah. those jobs are going to come back.
0: I mean, they don't, they don't actually care about developing nations. You've got to understand that. No, this is not, yeah, they
1: don't. They developing
0: don't. nations are a pawn in their global chess game that they use against each other or for virtue signaling or whatever they're not they don't care they don't give a crap if they cared about developing nations uh they would encourage them to burn coal for power because it's cheap and it will raise the yeah. standard of living of their yeah. population and save lives like and they would say you know what screw our you know score global warming nonsense and our our you know Insane scare. You guys need cheap energy. Cheap energy will help you. Um, they would be teaching them how to. Uh, They'd be teaching them about individual rights and how to implement uh, an economy based on capitalism. Like they would be doing stuff that's not, not this, not this. They wouldn't be implementing lockdowns. Like I don't. Yeah. What third world country person is like? Oh yeah. Uh, I can just work from home now. yeah (laughs) it's
1: fine it's fine most people in the u.s can't (laughs) do that
0: yeah
1: i this you know i appreciate humor about the darkest of subjects i think it serves a purpose about dark subject with dark subjects in particular scott wellman in chat just said previously on the dnc's new hit sitcom developing nations (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's sad yeah it reminds me of my
0: favorite i've said this before but my one of my favorite dark memes is the uh, is the one the picture of Stalin that says uh, dark humor is like food? Not everyone gets it.
1: <laughs> Not everyone gets it. Yeah, yeah, it. very, dark meme. That's a very uh, dark meme. Okay, so along these same lines about the yes. gray reset, what mm-hmm. we can expect? I sent you a couple of links. There is a Twitter status, the one Robin uh, Manati. I'd like to open that one if you can open that one. This is a video. So this has been happening in Denmark. I wouldn't have known this, except someone who loves me sent this to me. They, Denmark has had nine days of protests. For what? Over They had a new law they were trying to push forward where they would have been able to define groups of people who must be vaccinated. Wow. People who refuse the above can be coerced through physical detainment with police allowed to assist. This is exactly what you're talking about at the beginning, the butt of a gun. Denmark protested for nine days over this. Look at that video of all the people.
0: Wow.
2: Wow.
1: And have we heard about this in the news? No. <laughs> have you Have you guys heard about it? Uh,
2: They're be. Yeah.
1: yeah. I sent you a news article, too, from a Denmark paper. It's called The Local.
0: You know, just Denmark. to be— just, uh, yeah. I just want to say this. When— this makes sense if you understand how they think about you. Again, when you run a tax farm, the 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 people are animals. They're not You don't ask your sheep if they want to be vaccinated. You vaccinate them because they're yeah. your sheep and you need them to be productive. So, you vaccinate them. Is this the one you're talking about?
1: Yes. So, okay. here's an article about it if you want to read through some of this explained What is Denmark's proposed epidemic law, and why is it being criticized? Gee, why? Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The new epidemic law would replace an emergency law passed in the spring which gave the government extended powers to intervene in society in order to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. As well as enforcing quarantine measures, the existing law empowers the authorities Prohibit access to public institutions, supermarkets and shops, public and private nursing homes and hospitals, and also to impose restrictions on access to public transportation. (laughs) Recent instances in which the emergency law has been used by the government to implement rules include the partial lockdown of North Jutland and enhanced national restrictions, including assembly limits and mandatory use of face masks announced in October. The emergency and temporary law from March is now up for a replacement by a new, more Permanent law,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which would also ensure provisions for governments to respond to future epidemics and pandemics. The wow. end of the hearing period for the new law means that other parties and the public have been able to study the proposed law and raise their own concerns. So the final version of the proposed law may be different from the one currently in circulation. So they give a link where you can read the full law. Uh, it's, uh, here's some of the areas in the proposed law that have raised eyebrows include... People infected with dangerous diseases can be forcibly given medical examination, hospitalized, treated, and placed in isolation. The Danish Health Authority would be able to define groups of people who must be vaccinated in order to contain and eliminate a dangerous disease. People who refuse the above can, in some situations, be coerced through physical detainment with police allowed to assist.
0: Mm. Well...
1: Nine nine days of protests in Denmark over this. And would you, do we know about this? And is CNN covering this?
0: Well, because they want (laughs) to, they're going to do it here. I mean, this is one of those other examples of like, I can, I can almost hear uh, Klaus Schwab, the, the great reset dude. I can almost hear him saying like, but we're, you know, or, or maybe not even Klaus, maybe uh, Richard Stengel saying like, well, but. But we're not like other countries we're an anomaly some something's wrong <laughs> look what they're doing we're an anomaly guys America's an anomaly like
2: yeah.
1: yeah other countries get look to do they, this look how much further ahead they are in controlling everything yeah i
0: i I don't know how anyone can not see how they view you i don't and no one with self respect can can tolerate being viewed as a farm animal animal. i don't but but there are a hell of a lot of people with no self-respect who like it and and vote for it but (sighs) fortunately most of the people in this chat don't feel that way
1: Tabitha said. I don't know what. Anyone... I, yeah, sorry. I'm
0: just, I'm at a loss for words because it's okay. just so obviously bad. I know. Like,
1: it's, I it's obviously bad. Tabitha made a joke in chat. She said, Has anyone used the, uh, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark joke yet?
0: <laughs> they should, yeah.
1: You just did, and maybe we'll use that as a title for this stream. <laughs> <laughs>
0: something rotten in the state of Denmark? Yeah, sure. That's a good, that's a good
1: point. <laughs> uh, The Great Reset and Something Rotten in the State of Denmark. What's to be, what's to come in this crazy, well i mean
0: i i I do think we this is the this is what's going around you know i'm just i guess just speaking to the people in america at the moment sorry foreign people that are watching but we're like the last critical mass of people who want liberty like this i mean i guess there's some in denmark that's good or at least they want liberty over this particular thing but there's not a lot of There's not a lot of resistance to this stuff. There's just not. And I've seen a... and I have seen I do not I don't know. I don't, when's it going to show up? I don't know.
1: I think there... I've seen resistance um, just through social media. That's one of the things I think it is good for, us, is mm. seeing what's going on in other places, especially when the legacy media won't show you the truth. But I have seen resistance from a lot of people in uh, Britain who are talking about the lockdowns there. But, you know, these are just individual citizens tweeting about it and how many of those right. people get banned and locked. And, you know, it's it, there's no, there's no there's no one standing up, as far as I can tell, in Britain. There's no leader or anyone pushing back.
0: Well, they definitely want us to feel like I just expressed, right? They want us to feel like there's not many. And maybe, in fact, there's a lot. They're just getting shut up and we don't know because they're not getting any coverage. Yeah. And they're trying to isolate us and make us feel like, oh, you guys are the, you know, there's a, a few thousand people over in this corner of the world that have this crazy idea of liberty. But everyone else is is on board with the, the lockdowns. And maybe that's not true. Maybe there are a lot of people who, who would choose liberty over security. But um, someone in Sandy Kins who is in uh, Sweden, I believe, says uh, most Swedes are begging for sticker restrictions and the government giving in is, is giving in. So gatherings are being restricted. To eight, down from fifty, starting uh, next week. See, I mean, I think a lot of people want this. A lot of people want this. Uh, I, I don't.
1: <laughs> uh. I, what do you What do you do else, about that? What do you do about that? Yeah, this is somebody else said uh, all of their attacks. Noah says the crusade to attack hydroxychloroquine is related to this. I sent you a link. Thank you. I will go and try to find that link. Uh, Yeah, I believe all of this is related. They didn't didn't want us using hydroxychloroquine because it actually helps. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, it might have worked. Um, They like this pandemic.
0: I mean, that's very clear. It's very clear how much they're enjoying this pandemic.
1: I mean, it gave them so many things. It's not just the Great Reset. It's given them... It gave them Mel in voting. It gave them this ridiculous (laughs) way of voting. Can you believe? It's so... Yeah, uh, just a little housekeeping note, because somebody asked if we're on Parlor. We are. You mm-hmm. can find Unsafe Space on Parlor, which is sort of a Twitter alternative that hopefully takes off. Um, we also are on MeWe now, which is kind of a Facebook alternative. If you want to watch our videos somewhere other than YouTube, we mirror them on Boot, sh- boot Shoot, On Bitshoot, you just can't live stream them there.
0: And library. But we
1: are, <laughs> and on library, and we are looking at other alternative places as well because who knows what's going to happen with these big three that we're on
0: i mean the good news is look i there are there are a number of people who would choose liberty and i know a lot of you are in chat and watching the video so look and we're one small community there's other larger channels with more following and like that also are full of people that might choose liberty so I guess they're out there. Beverly seems to be pushing in chat. Beverly seems to be pushing for the unsafe space commune. Um, It wouldn't be a commune, Beverly, but whatever. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, someday, someday uh, this is going to come to a head. Someday there's going to have to be some part probably in the United States that stands up and says no to the federal government. I'm not doing this. And that will be an interesting day. That will be a very interesting day. And we can hope that the federal government backs down. I don't know what happens after that. Um, can we Can we just go do one? It's kind of related. Uh do you, know, so you have anything else on this topic? Do you have anything else on this topic?
1: No, I'm just taking a note. Somebody recommended I follow Nashville Hatworks because they make natty hats. And uh-huh. I'm on the right side of politics, I want to make sure I don't forget that <laughs> little bit of frivolity there. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so i was like hats
0: <laughs> yeah
1: okay. um okay okay back to series what no this, this is, is i i people aren't gonna like okay.
0: this but i i don't um i don't want people run, even if i want something to be true i don't want people running around repeating stuff that's just not true so uh we've done it in the past with some of the election stuff <clears throat> i'm gonna do it again there's a there's a show Bill Whittle who I like often, right Bill Whittle is going around pushing this idea and a lot of you might have seen it he's got he's he's citing actually this video from Dr. Shiva Ayad or whatever I'm not, sorry of my life Oh yeah his I've, name seen,
1: I've seen that guy
0: right and and this guy's got his own video where he's he's doing this and they're looking at election day data. And Well, not and pre, prior to the election. These are counties uh, or precincts in Michigan. And he makes some claims. I'm not going to get into all the claims he makes, but he makes these claims that, like, look, the line does this, which it should stay flat, and then does this crazy thing. If you look at Trump voters, um, the, this is kind of a weird, funky chart, which is one of the problems. This chart is—the the red is like the the baseline if you just vote all Republican— on your ticket, and the blue, each blue dot is a precinct, and it represents uh, people who chose something different um, off of the standard, right? And so you can see a lot of, pre- and, and this, this the x-axis here is like precincts with very little Republicans, and then over here is on the right is precincts with lots of Republicans, and so you can see precincts with very little Republicans, they, a lot of people, voted for trump but didn't vote the whole republican ticket um and then as you move forward the line there's this knee in the line and it and it bends down here and then uh you see that people who otherwise vote republican voted against they didn't vote trump, right they voted against trump right um so he's he's using this to claim i mean bill Whittle literally said something like there's no other explanation there must be an algorithm and it kicks in right here at 20 percent or whatever." this is just i'm sorry guys this is crap this is crap math it's crap science it's just i don't have a better word for it it's crap first of all this line fit is totally weird like this is an arbitrary inflection point that whoever decided to do the line they decided to make this knee in the curve you could make a line like this
1: i was gonna say why where why did they choose that who knows they
0: that? who knows? Okay. The other thing that they did was they're subtracting percentage points of differently sized populations, which you can't do. And the third thing that they did, which is the most egregious. They didn't plot this for Biden, because if you do, you get the exact same freaking graph. So any claims you're making about Trump, you got to make about Biden, because you get the same thing when you plot with Biden. Um, So there's just this is just crap math. Don't don't go around Saying that this, and this guy's got a, the guy who he's citing has a PhD, I think, from MIT, but that I guess he doesn't know basic stats. Um, so don't go pushing this stuff. This is not correct. There's a guy whose channel I love that you can watch if you want, if you're a math nerd, Matt Parker. I don't know where he stands politically. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's called Stand Up Math. He explains, he explains the scatter plots. He explains why they don't, he does a great job display, explaining why they don't make any sense. Um he also reminded me about I, I I watched his bentford's law one, and um this was great i want i want to clarify something we said about benford 's law previously because benford's law was one of those things that the argument kind of made sense, but yeah. i wasn't really sure about it. He explains correctly and now it now everything makes sense to me so i I really like this guy benford's law benford's law requires data sets that span multiple orders of magnitude um and these do not so you're not going to get benford's law to show up on on this and the reason that they don't span multiple orders of magnitude and so by the way if you think about it that way it actually starts making benford's law starts making intuitive sense um why digits show up different because you have to span orders of magnitude so you get the leading digits it you, you can see why it would happen but in the voting data, most of the precincts, like the majority of the precincts are about the same size. So all their data is between like a hundred and a thousand votes. So there's no span of orders of magnitude. You don't end up with Benford's law. It's not a good it's not uh, a good analysis to 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 look for okay. erroneous activity. So look, we reported all this stuff because people were talking about it and we talked about it. um and Benford's law is a thing, and it is a weird thing, and it is something that you can use to detect anomalies and things. But the requirement is you need uh you need to span orders of magnitude someone in chat wrote it's not crap he's an mit instructor that doesn't matter he's retarded it doesn't matter that he's an mit instructor that is argument from authority you can't say i'm an mit instructor therefore my math is right his math is not right he's wrong he's wrong he's wrong i'm sorry it doesn't it doesn't matter he can't you can't show the Trump data and then not to bother to do the Biden data which looks exactly the same and then say well I'm an MIT professor it doesn't matter who you are you got he didn't even show the other side of the data
1: so look by, I, by the way I just I, I just want to say uh, to that point I didn't see that comment but yeah you can't you can't appeal to authority especially if you don't like when people who disagree with you appeal to authority, and they do that all the time. You know, social justice people are always appealing to authority. Look at my credentials. Look at my school. I studied this. I majored in this. And it's like, that doesn't really matter. Like, I I lend some weight to authority, but it's not the be-all, end-all. It it doesn't substitute for a good argument. If your math is wrong, your math is wrong.
0: Look, I took his thing seriously because he was an MIT professor. Right. That's why I watched it. So I I did take that into account. But it doesn't, like, we don't just... You don't just, like, that's not how this works. Oh, somebody
1: said maybe that person was joking.
0: Oh. (laughs) Oh, sorry. If they were joking, I apologize. Sometimes I just don't get, I'm like, sometimes I'm retarded about.
1: He was kidding.
0: (laughs) Uh, He was kidding, so I'm an idiot.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Well, either way, it was good to make that point that you can't just look at credentials. Because, you know, we all give weight to them, and I think you should give it a certain amount of weight, but you don't let them rule out other evidence. Like, you know, if somebody has a bad argument, I don't care what school they went to or what their degree is, right? If someone is a bully, I don't care what they (laughs) Yeah, and one of the things we
0: try and do on this show, I know a lot of people on the left look at this and think that we're alt-right, you know, MAGA people all day long. We're, We're just trying to be honest. Like, yeah, I have my opinions. Carrie has her opinions. We're pretty clear about what our opinions are, I think. We have a perspective, but I'm not, you know, we're not here to make you feel good about stuff that you've read online. Like, this is wrong. So don't go repeating.
1: Well, well, here, just to, just to uh, put this out there, because I've stated it in a previous video, but I absolutely believe there was fraud. Like, in my gut. It, it, oh, in, in my gut, I've too, yes. Yeah, I absolutely believe it. Uh, it. There's no way. I just, I just, the way that it happened, you know going to bed seeing like oh he's got to make up almost a million votes in Pennsylvania like he, he was trailing by 700,000 and somehow he did and uh and and the way that the mail in voting i mean that was a great like never let a crisis go to waste right like that's a yep. great opportunity and then and just just the my gut looks at trump got more votes than Obama got during his landslide victory, and there was—I remember the enthusiasm for Obama. I voted for him twice. I was part of that enthusiasm. I just don't believe for a second that they want us to believe that Biden got more votes than that, more votes than Trump, and and Obama more yeah. than Obama got during his—I just don't believe that. So that's just my gut. I don't have evidence for it, but I think your point, Carter, is uh, just because you believe some, just because you believe something is true in your gut. You shouldn't cherry pick evidence when that evidence is not a good argument like somebody said in the chat a bad argument is worse than no argument so if you're quoting something like a study like that 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 turns out where you know the math isn't good that's not going to help you so just be yeah. careful what you're pointing yeah to.
0: and i have no problem saying in my gut do i feel like the election there was election fraud yes i do feel that way and i am very uncomfortable about mail-in votes because they are clearly clearly a vector for massive fraud clearly that's not even a i mean that you can make an argument that that's clear it's easier to commit voter fraud through mail-in ballots obviously and this had this election had twice as many mail-in ballots so yeah do i feel great about it no uh but that's not an argument and it doesn't mean that everyone who's on the side of this versus election fraud it doesn't mean all their arguments are good either um right If there are good arguments for election fraud, like I've seen a few examples of things that are like, oh, that should be investigated. This should be looked at. That's interesting. Maybe maybe there's something there. Um, But it doesn't mean everyone who says anything is automatically right just because they happen to agree. Right. So. um,
1: As you've told me, in personal situations, pay attention to your gut, but verify with evidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. I really like this. Uh, I really like this Matt Parker dude, this the math guy. Um, but I'm a I'm a nerd. Why, but if you're a nerd she, and like sus- math, go go listen to him.
1: Why don't you subscribe to him then?
0: I, I guess I should. <laughs> Here, done. <laughs> I subscribed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, and
0: actually, what it's, it's gonna it's gonna screw him up because it's gonna show him the unsafe space. Subscribe to him, and maybe he'll get some hate. That <laughs> <laughs> we're subscribing. Uh, um, yeah I have a, I have a, a minor thing just to, I have a note to um, I have a note to my Asian friends out in the world today uh, let me see if I can find it because it's, it's very it's very important that I share this with the Asian community I apologize Asian community but you are officially you are officially now white Oh, I saw Um, this. So this is a public school in Washington. Here's their, you know, they they have to measure everything in terms of, you know, color of your skin because that's how they do everything nowadays. Uh, So here are their metrics. And you'll notice white slash Asian students are this black line here. And students of color are the red line. So I'm sorry, Asians. You are now students. You're not students of color anymore. You're not people of color. You're now white. Welcome to the privileged club. Uh we'll be mailing out <laughs> cards shortly and you can use them to impress all people of color everywhere automatically. Also, you get a free um you get free admission to college, any college of your choice. Plus, plus you get um uh you get power over basically everyone. It's it's a get out of jail free card. You're really going to enjoy the white privilege. So, congratulations, Asian friends. You're in the club.
1: Uh Kay Kazner says, I'm half white and half Asian, so now I identified as white squared.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, you're super... You are close. already suspect. Let's just be honest. Super <laughs> oppressor group now. Uh, I think there's some new people here today. Somebody posted comments a couple times saying, how can Kerry like Trump is Kerry MAGA or whatever. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, who's <laughs> new. I- I'm a lifetime Democrat. I'm a liberal. I walked away in 2017 after the 2016 election. So the first Republican I voted for was was Ted Cruz because he was the most liberal person running in Texas. And uh, I voted for Trump for the same reason. I thought he was the most liberal person running. So I don't, I don't know, I'm not like a, when you say MAGA person, I don't know exactly what you mean. Depends on how you define that. I voted for Trump. Do I wear MAGA stuff? No. Do I have a problem with people who do? No. <laughs> i don't know anyway so it's people have like these ideas of what certain things oh you are this or you are that and just to clarify for any new people
0: yeah i mean i i don't it's weird that there's this assumption that if you voted for trump you must really love trump and think he's awesome there's like this, right. oh, you're a MAGA person. It's like, no, like, I I. voted for Trump. I voted for Trump because, and I voted for him in 2016, because I think he's a wrecking ball, and I would like to see some destruction happen in the deep state. Like, did he do as much deep state destruction as I would like? No, uh, he didn't, but way better than Biden, right? I mean, he did do yeah. things like pen the critical race theory executive order. Like, he did yes. some things that were super important culturally. Uh it doesn't mean I, I don't have to like everything about him. I don't have to Like, that's not a... And it's weird because I think people that, that, look, that, people that look at things that way are... It's kind of like a, they view politics as the sports team. Like, well, if you're not on the blue team, you're on the red team. And you're all waving flags and jumping up and down, right? Like, no, some of us don't give a crap normally. Like, some of us are voting for one team because the whole game is rigged and that team pisses off the refs. That's it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing. (laughs) Like Carter, Carter is an anarcho capitalist. Carter didn't even used to vote because he viewed it as participating in a corrupt system. So, yeah. (laughs) And I'm not going to vote anymore.
0: I'm probably not going to, I mean, unless there's a candidate like Trump, I'm probably going to go back to not voting. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. Um, It's not that I don't, it's not that I don't care. It's that I don't, I don't, the, the, the line between the lesser of two evils is so fine most of the time that it just doesn't matter. But in Trump's yeah. case, uh, the, the reason to vote for Trump is that the entire cathedral hated his guts and continues to hate his guts. Yeah. So if that's not a reason but to vote c- for him, I don't know. What is?
1: Look, so. at what the, look at what the legacy media is telling you. Look at the propaganda they're putting out. It should, it should, it should be used as a barometer. Like, yeah. like at the very beginning of this show, we talked about parlor. All of mainstream media is now lining up to attack Parler. Well, that should probably tell you you should get on Parler.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: So.
2: So.
0: (sighs) I don't know. I don't have anything else that we need to discuss today. I'm. I'm. Yeah,
1: that's a lot. I'm
0: I'm disgusted. Out. How's that? That's a phrase. I I
1: thought you were saying you're disgusted too. I'm disgusted.
0: It sounds like I should be. I am disgusted with the Great Reset stuff. You know, I don't—the New World Order stuff was actually not a conspiracy theory. Like, that was also kind of real. Um, and, you know, I know that when you say globalists are the problem, people—you sound like you're some freak, but globalism is the problem uh, because America doesn't fit in. We haven't fit in. We've never fit in. We shouldn't fit in. We we shouldn't, like—
1: <laughs> Why do you want to fit in?
0: So many, so many people— this, I just, San Francisco a- anecdote I guess but I remember I remember so many people and meeting so many people in San Francisco when I moved here I moved here like 20 years ago. i remember meeting so many people who they would you know there's a lot of wealth and there's a lot of just it's all upper middle class I mean almost all upper middle class, right um, and it's a wealthy area and so they would travel a lot and they would go to you know they would go to France and Italy and the UK and come back with fake accents or whatever. And they would all—the general attitude in the Bay Area—and I'm using San Francisco as an example just because San Francisco seems to, to have things happen to it before the rest of the country. Like, we, we germinate the, the virus, the mind virus, and yes. then it, it spreads out from here. So, you know, they, they came back, and they, you know their attitudes were always, like, condescending towards America. Like, here, where they made all their money, where they had the freedom to build things and can say what they wanted to do, like, here, their, atti- their attitude was always like, well, Europe is most sophisticated. Europe is better. We we should—they wanted San Francisco to be like a little Europe. In fact, they used to brag that San Francisco was the most European city in the in the country. Like, San Francisco, it's so European. They love—they love Europe, and— Americans don't love Europe. They might want to visit, but Americans hate Europe. We left. We revolted against Europe. Europe sucks. I'm sorry, Europeans. We want free speech. We want the right to bear arms. We want our liberty. That's why we left. Americans don't idolize fucking Europe.
1: Swear jar. Sorry. It's okay. We got through the whole episode. Sorry, Marie. (laughs) That's okay. I, I,
0: I get it. This is what I like about... This is what I like about many Trump supporters and Trump. They are, regardless of their views on issues, most of them are emotionally American. They want, they like America. That's what we need. We need people who, even if they don't get it, even if they don't get why, they know, they feel that there's something different about America that's different than everywhere else. That's important. That's important. I, yeah. You know, do I wish that they had got it intellectually and we could sit down and have a conversation about the, the ideas behind the Bill of Rights? Yes. But barring that, just people who recognize that America is special and different on an emotional level is super valuable and it's important. Um, <laughs> Richard Petz says, Americans are revolting. That's what makes them great. Right. I, I kind of agree. Right. Yes, Americans are the bull in the China shop to all of Europe. Right? Trump is is like just an extrapolation of that. Trump is and like the, the bigger bull in the china shop to all of the deep state, but like Americans are, you know. I when I say yeah, I don't like Europe. I mean, I like Europe. I like visiting Europe. I'm I don't get I'm seeing the chats. Don't you get You don't upset. like that
1: they like, I know. I love I Europe like too, visiting they, Europe. But he means he likes having protections for individual liberty here. You know, we like we started the top of the show off with we have a first and second amendment that's something to be proud of not something to be embarrassed of like richard stengel
0: yeah there's a lot of stuff we don't have we don't have cool old architecture and neat histories and whatever like there's lots of stuff we don't have uh you know we certainly don't have the food that france has there's lots of things that other countries have that we don't have but what we do have was the spirit of rugged individualism and liberty and now yeah. we've got we've got a whole class of people in power who really just wish that they were European aristocrats with a bunch of serfs. And most of us are looking at that going, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll be your serf. Plug us into yeah. the global network of serfdom. Not me.
1: Speaking of how we don't have the same historic architecture, you know, we're not as old as some of these countries. Um, and, and that is definitely something I love about Europe. Do you remember that old Eddie Izzard joke where he used to joke about how Americans are so cute with their fascination with vintage like we've restored this hotel to the way it looked 50 years ago <laughs> and then he's like he's like we have castles.
0: <laughs> yeah. They've got It's true. <laughs> they've got like buildings that are like an order of magnitude older than and the yes,
1: stuff, we, yeah. we do. I do get really excited. I'm like, it's vintage. <laughs> it's from the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. And look, they, and there's a long
0: tradition, and there's a lot of good history in Europe, and a lot of great ideas from Europeans. Obviously, like we're, we, you know, we're descended from people from Europe, but um, many of us. Um, but you know, I, I would like to. I would like to, to keep America separate from the rest of the world, not in an isolationist sense, but ideologically. Um, and there's no point in having a separate country if we're the same as everyone else in our, in our philosophy and our rules. Like, why have—and they don't want, by the way, they don't want a separate country. The Great Reset, though, those people, that mindset, they don't want a separate country they view the world as like
1: as one the, big this country. is my dominion
0: and this is your dominion and we meet at the Bilderberg group and talk about our dominions and we're gonna merge them together and manage our dominions together. That's how they view that. That's how they view us. That's how they view all this. Americans are dangerous, and we should be dangerous. Be dangerous. That's what I want to leave you with today. Go be dangerous. We should Go be, be dangerous. dangerous. Be dangerous to the it's, elite. That's what makes us special. Life.
1: Think dangerously.
0: Yeah hey, that's a good slogan. Maybe we should use it for something. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm done. I, I'm i just going to do random rants if I keep going, so we'll just stop.
1: Yeah, let's just let's just end it. Thank you guys for tuning in today on the Clips channel. If it's your first time here, you're watching Unsafe Space, we have another channel. Our real channel. It's called Unsafe Space. You can subscribe there if you're new, and you can subscribe to the Clips channel uh, if you want. We're trying to get it off the ground. It, it was just intended for short clips, but we're exiled here for our live streams until youtube um uh, gets rid of our ban so <laughs> appreciate you joining us <laughs> if we ever. have book club coming coming up on sunday the 22nd we are reading the management of savagery by max blumenthal you still have a week to read it if you want to join us you can go to unsafe space dot com to the book club page and find out how to join us for the live discussion or just be in the live chat when we do it and uh what else oh we never plug it enough but we do have merchandise If you want a a T-shirt or something, go to the shop at Unsafe Space. Uh, There's a shirt with Carter's face on it, which happens to be my favorite. It says Intermittent Frivolity. And uh, if you subscribe on Subscribestar, you can give tips there like today. But if you subscribe at the $25 level or above, you get one of our our new Unsafe Space grenade mugs. They're
0: definitely unsafe mugs.
1: They're unsafe. Don't travel with them. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, by the way, we do have uh, one more super I... chat uh, from Christ, who says, Hi, America Chris. was founded on the concept of BTFO. Now, I would have thought it was going to be GTFO, so I don't know if it's a typo or if I don't know what BTFO means. If it, if I don't know what it means, I apologize. I'm an old man, and I don't know all your cool, young lingo. But uh, hey, I think that's a good way to end the show.
1: Uh, here's here's one silver note. As uh-huh. things get more chaotic, and especially if Biden is certified as president, and as our the American dollar continues to depreciate, uh, Bitcoin is going up. It just hit uh, went it hit over sixteen thousand today per Bitcoin. Oh, it did. Yeah, nice. it's close to it's close it's close to. Remember when it topped out at twenty k? I think it's going to pass the, it, again. I make bad predictions, but Sometimes I make good predictions actually. We'll see. I think I think it's going to pass 20k before the end of the year, especially if they certify Biden. So Yeah, no, no. I feel like Bitcoin, Bitcoin kind of stabled out.
0: I mean, for Bitcoin it's been pretty it's actually been very stable for a while for Bitcoin. Um which yeah. it's very unstable for anything else, but for Bitcoin it's it kind of stabled around 10k. I'm surprised it's up to 16. Well, look, you know. Hey. I remember when they were saying it was supposed to go up to 100k by the end of the year. That was last year and and sadly, for me it did not happen. That would be nice um carter believe believe (laughs) that will do it uh by the way uh i saw someone tatiana fisk is asking i think she's asking about her mug in um oh chris clarifies by the way he says it's back the f off uh not get the f out which is what i thought it was um tatiana fisk is asking where i think she's asking about her mug i know there's a few people i still need to send your mugs i do them in batches i literally have to you know sit down and pack them all and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of do it once a month maybe and try and get them together and send them out. So I will do that. There's a few people that are still waiting um, on mugs, but they don't go out right away. And that's kind of my fault. It is my fault, but I don't feel guilty about it. So I don't know what that means, but you are going to get it.
1: (laughs) Short short story. It's coming soon, Tatiana. And she also asked about learning more about Bitcoin. We are not financial advisors. I'm certainly not. If you know my history, uh you 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 can uh you can learn more about Bitcoin with uh one of one of Carter's friends, Kiara Bickers. We did an interview with her on the show. So go just look for Unsafe Space uh Bitcoin Clarity or Kiara. She wrote a book called Bitcoin Clarity which the goal of it was to make Bitcoin more understandable and accessible to noobs like myself, mm. to normies. So her book is something I'd recommend or check out the interview that we got to do with her.
0: Yep. Yep and just to clarify bitcoin's not fiat currency but it's also not backed by anything so it's not it's not dictated it's not fiat currency in the sense of issued and declared it's like crowdsourced, unbacked currency i i go both ways on bitcoin sometimes On like i i get the peter schiff argument that you need gold uh on the other the other side of it is uh at least it's got some limitations in it that fiat currency doesn't have. So uh, we can get into a Bitcoin discussion some other day. Some other All day. Right. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Please don't forget to like and share. You can go to our regular channel, Unsafe Space, uh, and subscribe. You can also subscribe to the Clips channel if you want to get the clips for the show. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be back on Friday unless <laughs> unless YouTube does this thing again. Last time they they've added four days to our week because what they did was they waited halfway through the week eradicated the um they totally got rid of the strike and then reintroduced it the next morning so they restarted the clock so if they do that again we're just going to be perpetually suspended um but we have appealed and we'll see so all right have a great day yeah. everyone we thanks will see guys
1: later. bye carter bye I may-
2: The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please report any sightings to your local Ministry of Love. Did you know that 97.1% of corporate media employees agree that corporate media is objective and fair? If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Here's a fun fact, the freedom of speech has never included the right to criticize Marxists. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news.